On this episode of the Executor Help Podcast, join me for an inspiring conversation with author B.J. Jewett as she shares her personal story of losing a child and how she found the strength to move forward. Her book, You Don't Fall Out of the Universe, offers a raw and emotional account of grief and healing that will touch your soul. This is a thought-provoking conversation that will leave you with a newfound appreciation for life and the resilience of the human spirit. Tune in now. This is the Executor Help Podcast. Learn how to settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, go to davidede.com. Now here's your host, David Ede. With me today on the Executor Help Podcast is author BJ Jewett. She's the author of the book, You Don't Fall Out of the Universe. BJ, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. You know, what's really great about your book, and I was, you know, there's a bunch of reviews, and one of the reviews jumped out at me, and it said, described your book as being many things, a way to honor your son, it's a fierce commitment to a family, a meditation on grief, and an exploration of secular, spiritual, that offers readers an alternative path through bereavement. Can you tell me a little bit about your book, You Don't Fall Out of the Universe, Is it a, and, and why is it a hybrid of, um, you know, a memoir and a poetry? Well, a couple of reasons. One is that's because most of the pieces, at least in the beginning, especially in the beginning, came out of that form. I would literally wake up in the morning and I knew that I had to write. The words were so strong that there was no denying that they needed to come out. And those are mostly the poem pieces formed in that way. And sometimes almost literally the entire piece would just come out as soon as I sat down to write. Uh, They've all been through editing and revision and all that, so I don't mean to imply that at any means, but the initial feelings that just force had to come out as poetry. Later, uh, it made more sense to add some in in kind of a prose or an essay form, somewhat sometimes uh, to provide a bigger piece of explanation, especially towards the end. Uh, it, It just felt like there was a little bit more of a story that needed to be exchanged at that point. The other reason is that one of the reasons I wrote this book is because resources are really hard for parents to find who have lost a child, many, many more now than when we lost our son in 2011. There's tons of books out there, but to pick up an entire book on grief that's written like a book on grief is really impossible in the early stages of grieving. You just don't have that much focus and to sit and and try to get 50 pages into something. So when I decided to put this book together into book form, I realized that what I wanted to share with people was not only that there are different ways to live through your grief, there are different belief systems that um, come into play for a lot of people. And I wanted to offer people just a slightly different view to show that there is a path, there's hope at the end. You are not going to always feel, hopefully, anyway. My goal is to help people understand they won't always feel the way they do in the beginning years because it's not weeks and months, it's years in the beginning that uh, are just profoundly, significantly grief-filled. Well, the the book is based on your lost, your son, Jesse, you said it was in 2011. Can you tell me a little bit about about Jesse? Well, the, the other reason that I wrote this book is because Jesse did not want me to write about him. He is, however, infused through the book, and there's no denying that. Uh, He didn't want to write a a path through cancer story, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. So that's part of why it's structured the way it is. But he he was the guy that when he walked in the room, everybody looked. He just kind of filled a room up. He was a very tall man. 
big guy, um, friendly, knowledgeable, super bright and aware of everything going on in the current events of the world politically and in sports mm-hmm. and could tell you who hit the home runner in some game 15 years ago, right off the top of his head. Wow. So, yeah, big, big guy that is left a giant hole. And I should have apologized earlier. I have three dogs. No need to apologize. It's okay. It's part of life. It'll, you know. And they're barking away at something, right? Well, well, maybe Jesse's uh, letting them know, hey, they're talking about me. (laughs) You know, losing a child is something that no parent wants to really have to go through. How did you cope with the loss of Jesse, you know, deal with the grief and the pain? Well, one of the biggest factors for us is that our daughter lives close. And we had a two-year-old grandchild who seriously looked like a little curly-haired imp of a two-year-old. And our daughter just made sure that we spent as much time with her as we could. Because she was just the light that kept us all going. Two-year-olds, she can't remember him, which is sad. But um, he adored her. And so I just, she just would circle around the room and she'd make us play instruments. And she'd grab your hand and make you go outside and... That was really what propelled us forwards in the very beginning days. And then um, the piece that I'll probably share with you in a minute is called The Pact. And it was just my husband and I agreeing that we weren't going to drown and doing it together. And everything we've done since, habits we've established, times that we sit every evening and visit together about easy, whatever things we've done in the course of the day, those are the kind of the cement that, that kept us together. Yeah, you said you're going to share one of um, one of the poetries, poet poems in the uh, book, mm-hmm. and you said it was called the what was it? The you Pact. Said. So why don't you uh, share that with us? And and what and the poems that you 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 wrote in the book? How did it come to you? Is it just the way you were feeling? It was it was there certain times of the day? Why did you feel mm-hmm. like you want to add poems into the book as well? Well, I think if you, as you're looking at the book, the poems are the the ones that were written almost always first thing in the morning. They were more, I think they're more dense with emotion. I think that's why there's more of them in the beginning than towards the end. Right. It mirrors the density of the emotion of the grieving process. Uh, and they're they're just more real to me. That's just, it is what it is. And one of the things about this book that I think makes it a little bit different is it's it's almost like you walk inside our grief with us. And I've had people say, I felt like I was with you in ways I didn't even know you were experiencing at the time. It's called The Pact. In the early morning hours of a sleepless night, we spoke of it. The ease of our years carrying us, but I don't know whose worry more filled the space between us. You wiped my tears. I hugged you tight. Our words rumbled out between breaths and sobs and the quiet of being spent. I worried you'd withdrawn to work, become distance. You worried I'd dissolve, that stress would kill me. We both knew, had witnessed, how ripples of grief became a torrent. Cracks weathers into fissures. People get lost in sorrow they can't prevent or escape, the way loss washes a person away. On the backs of those who'd gone before us, who'd struggled, bent and broken, carrying the grief we hold now, we made a pact. Our daughter, her daughter, could not lose us. They had already lost enough. As a sliver of light touched our window with the first glow of day, we lay there, arms touching, putting voice to our intentions. We would not give up. 
We would fight to stay alive. We would fight to stay alive. Our pact. The weight of these words, not a lessening, not a relief, but a light as we forged our way together. This pact, our beacon. That was, that was, that was amazing. That's great. Did, did you find that writing this book was there a therapeutic process for you? You know, honestly, no. <laughs> um, huh? It was it was harder than I thought it would be. Uh, the whole process of putting it into book form and getting it published was, I thought, incredibly difficult. It, I don't think it served as, as therapy for me, except in the fact that in my career, I've always worked in the helping professions, and I hoped there was a piece of it that would go out into the world and maybe help another parent. So that felt a little easing of my sorrow, but... Um, it was really hard to write. I'll be honest. Yeah. I know writing a book is probably one of the hardest things that <laughs> you'll ever want yeah. to do. And, you, and, and it seems like a good idea at the time. And then you're going through mm -hmm. it. Just some days like, I don't want to do this, but you've so, right. you're so far down the rabbit hole. It's like, mm -hmm. you, you know, there's a, there's a finish line, but you just want to get there. And some days it's easy and other days it's, it's hard. And, and, the the subject matter that you're you're writing about it it, it, mm -hmm. it it's very difficult and I commend you for it, it was you know it, it's it's a great read. Thank you. So, what message do you want people to walk away from after reading the book? Well, for parents, I, I, the main message is that there is hope because in those early days and weeks and months and however long it takes a person that they're in those early times. There's just profoundly, profoundly hurtful times. And to know that there's a glimmer of light, that there is a, there's a glimmer of feeling less terrible. I mean, there were days that I seriously did not want to wake up. Not that I was going to do anything to myself. I just wished I wouldn't wake up and have to do another day. And so that from the depths of that, I want people to understand that, that there is hope. And that hope's going to look, that's going to look, different for lots of people, but that there's hope to feel better, that there's a reason to go on, that life can become enjoyable again down the road. For parents who lost a child or people who know of someone who's, you know, a family that's lost a child, what, what, what are things that they have to be cognizant of and, and help them in terms of when they're struggling to cope? What advice would you give? Well, one of the things for people trying to help a, a person, another person, a grieving parent, would be to be mindful of what you say. Because one of the essays in the book, I talk about a really horrible moment that happened at a big box store where someone was, was speaking to me about their religious beliefs and trying to place those into our situation and saying things like, well, God needed him more than you did. Um, <sighs> that was a horrible thing to be said, to have said to me. Um, it was just it was so hurtful. So I think one thing is that unless you are absolutely but did they understand person, what did they have so much conviction that they they thought by saying this to you that would give you more comfort or they they or they just didn't know what to say and that's the first thing first thing that came out because how could you say something like that? It, it, there it, were so many times people said something like that to us. God needed another angel by his side so he took your son. We you know only the strong survives. I don't even know what that one means, but I believe that most times people are at a loss for words quite seriously. And, or in this particular case, I think she really believed that. 
uh, which is if you believe that and you can, that's how you're guided to through your life. I think that's wonderful. Uh, for us, it was really hurtful. So I guess my point is to just know the person's beliefs and or don't even go there. Uh, just to say you're sorry. And the biggest help that we got from our closest of friends was just to be there with us. And some days those were brief little visits. They were literally stuck by the house and just say, hey, are you guys okay? If you feel like it, we got a pot of chili on. Or, you know, you want to come down. And if we didn't, it didn't hurt their feelings. They just went on home and ate their chili. Uh, there would be times that we'd be talking about one thing, something would flash in my mind and I would just dissolve. And rather than get flustered and leave, they just stood there with us. Right. There was a physicality to the presence of our two best friends that just stood there with us. And the, the other advice I can give to people is try to grasp on to what you enjoyed before. For me, part of that is writing, but another piece of that is photography. And so that's something that we just would, my husband would say, let's go take a ride. And I would grab my camera and we would go look for eagles or look for whatever. Um, just to get you out of that spot that you're in in that moment. And if you get out, we have property that we walk around with woods behind us and stuff. You can always find something to make you stop and go, wow, look at that. Uh, I, I got down on my hands and knees one day and I looked at these little tiny moss flowers that were blooming on the side of a log. I didn't even know moss bloomed. And it was it just it just gives you those little pieces of goodness that you can grab onto. How is your, your husband doing in, in terms of you were writing the book and it was mm -hmm. sort of an outlet with you for the for the poems. How is it yeah. um, for him? How did he how did he cope? How does he cope every day? Well, he is a man who stays busy and he's always been that man, but he stays busy. He, uh, we both, he retired a year or so after, and then I retired a year after that. So we're together a lot. So there's always somebody around to bounce things off. So mostly he did projects and stayed busy. We, you know, same thing as me and our granddaughter and family helped a lot, uh, and then the other thing is that we we got in a habit of sitting every single night before dinner over a cup of coffee or he might have a beer or whatever and just talking. And that's in the beginning, you can't hardly make words come out. It does get easier. You can talk about, you know, I just saw a pink a blue tailed skink in the backyard to politics. And right. we maintain that today. We do that every single day. With a couple, it it it's probably the most uh, uh it, it's hard to keep it together because you're both grieving. Yeah. Everybody grieves differently. And mm -hmm. it sounds like you guys found what works for you guys. Um, but yes. a lot of people aren't um, that fortunate. And they, and because of no. this, this, the tragic loss of a child, it seems to, to break them apart. So, you know, I, it's, it, it, it does. The, the statistic is in fact, a very good friend of mine's husband is a psychologist. And one of the first cards we got was him saying, you and Bob have to hold tight to each other because this breaks up marriages. You talked about seeing the moss and mm -hmm. the, the the experience. In what way would you say your perspective on life and your priorities have changed? Well, the biggest one is that you just are slammed in the face with there's no guarantees about anything. We had lost people earlier than we, we lost a nephew at 15. We lost Bob's sister at 51 and um, my brother-in-law died very young. So we'd experienced that reality of 
wow, anything can happen to anybody at any point. But this just takes that reality and slams it into your body. And it does it. it, Little trivial things like people, there's that expression, oh, that pizza was so good. It was to die for. And I would honestly have this visceral, like I wanted to scream when I heard those kind of comments made because they're so flippant. So it made me less tolerant of flippancy and probably just more the folks that get it are in our lives today. And there were people that we had to let go of because they couldn't either set their beliefs aside to respect ours, or they just simply did not get the enormity of it. But they make, but then that makes it, they're making it about them. It's not about, it's, yeah. it's not about Good you. Point. It, That's exactly it, right. It, it's about them. This is, well, this is what I believe, or this is what I say. Cause mm-hmm. if what I say should make, should make uh, BJ feel better, should make Bob feel better. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's time to move on or, or you know, mm-hmm. my thoughts and prayers are with you. But you know what? Mm-hmm. The true test of, and you said you're, you're, some of your best friends just were there. And right. say nothing. Some days they right. offer you the chili. You don't want chili. It's okay, mm-hmm. fine. But they were there. It's Exactly. You know, it's and those little calls to check on you, you know, hey, you might not want to talk long, but how are you? Or now it would be more likely a text or an email think, thinking of you. Um, one of my nieces called me the first anniversary of his death and just out of the blue, I hadn't talked to her in a long time. She lives far away. And she's like, I just wanted to call today. I wanted you to know I was thinking about Jesse. And a lot of his friends um, were, were Facebook connected. That's the good thing about Facebook. And they'll often post something on anniversary dates and and those things they all matter to know people are still thinking about them and the impact he made on people's lives those how does that make you feel Uh, well it 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 doesn't take the hurt away but it also just makes me feel connected makes me feel better to know how he was a very loved guy his friends uh, are in a music at the time were in a music group and they did several benefits over a couple years to support the Jimmy V Foundation, which Jesse had heard about through the sports contacts. And that just, it's very, you know, there, it was so hard to go, but it was so good to be there with his friends. But I think by the, you know, your, the cousin reaching out, the, you mm-hmm. know, the, the band and stuff like that, that's a testament to you and the type of person that you raised and that Jesse was, that your love and your values passed on to him, which mm-hmm. also helped other people, and they loved him just as much. So it's a testament to you and Bob that um, you did a great job. Oh, thank you, thank you. He so was they, a very, he was a really special guy. Yeah. It, where Where can people get the book, and how can they get in touch with you if they want to see more of your writings and things like that? Okay, uh, the book is available through the the big ones, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, if you ask at a local bookstore, if you prefer not to shop those places. Uh, it's readily available to, to local bookstores to order. I recently became aware of a place called bookshop.org, which if you purchase it through there, they actually give a donation to the local bookstores, which is pretty cool. You can designate that. And then it's through Friesen Press right. on their bookshop website. And then the... Uh, the And your website. What's your website? Well, my, my website is... it's. I don't have, I have direct links to those major purchase sites through there. It is BJ Jewett, which is J E W E T T dot com. Okay. And on there, there's a sample from the beginning of the book. And then there's information about, um, I'm about to have a children's book come out like tonight. (laughs) 
So, uh, so tell, tell me about the children's book. What's, what's that about? Well, the children's book is a very, very simple story written about a little girl who moves into a, has to leave the woods behind and move to town and is you know lonesome, discovers this ancient oak tree. They develop not an, I didn't make it a person, but they develop a relationship that is something that she feels and leaves open the question for what the tree might feel from that um, relationship, that friendship. And it was really beautifully illustrated by my neighbor, who's an artist. Right. It's got gorgeous, gorgeous paintings in it. And so it will be, it was about a year plus for him to paint the paintings for it. So it'll be out. Uh, Saturday is the official launch, oh, but it will be out anytime soon. It's called The Ancient Oak. And, and was was that book writing, was it easier to write this book? That book, um, Oh, it was much easier. It was long. It was a long process because it started as a poem and then it I set it aside when I started formalizing You Don't Fall Out of the Universe. I just kind of set that book off to the side and brought it back out then when after You Don't Fall Out of the Universe was out because I wanted that book out around the 10th anniversary. That just seemed like a place to me that it needed to be in the world if it was coming. Right. So then I brought the ancient book back and finished it up. Oh. So, so it was it was a lighter process. Uh, the publishing was easier. Uh, so, yes. Oh, great. In our final moments, I wanted you to finish our conversation by reading the, the poem, The Journey. I wish you nothing but the best for you and Bob and your family. And well, thank you. What you've, and the, 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 the process and the grieving that you've gone through and helping others is going to go a long way to help others. Like I said, we're going to finish our conversation with your poem, The Journey. Okay, thank you. This is the last piece in the book. So, uh, the ruby-throated hummingbirds are leaving soon, migrating south as daylight changes along an extraordinary journey over land and sea, back to their winter home, back to warmth. No other bird shows them the way, no elders lead them. They fly alone, following a path guided by nature and instinct and forces we can't know. Many will die along the way. Before Jesse passed, I used to worry about dying young, leaving our kids, and Bob to raise them alone. But I don't worry about death anymore. I want to be here for Bob, Megan, Lily, and Nate, to live what is left of my life as best I can. But there's a knowing I've gathered over these past 10 years. I am comforted to believe when I leave this life, I'll learn where Jesse went. I will find him. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To catch up with all the latest from me, go to davideady.com. There you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time.